Hello. As I speak, it's the 24th of November 2021. Today, I read that the World Health Organization has warned that there could be half a million COVID-related deaths by next spring, which means that COVID is now less of a threat than one of those old-fashioned flu bugs. The World Health Organization's own figures show that up to 650,000 people can die of the flu in a single six-month flu season. That, you may remember, is the figure I quoted in March 2020 when I showed that the threat of a pandemic was a hoax. The teams of mathematical modelers advising governments will be able to assure them that 500,000 is a smaller number than 650,000. So, since the World Health Organization's figure of half a million includes COVID-related deaths and presumably includes a fraction of all those people who are dying on waiting lists, then we can forget all about COVID and get on with our lives. But, of course, we won't be allowed to get on with our lives. The fraud continues. This is a politically motivated crisis, not a medical one. We're into the end game, but there's a long way to go. Meanwhile, it's difficult to know where to start. There's so much important stuff to deal with this week. Once you realise that the Covid fraud is a massive PSYOP, planned in fine detail, it isn't difficult to see where they're planning to go next. The route isn't difficult to follow when you realise the precise nature of the destination they've prepared. For them, this is do or die, there's no turning back. If this were a real pandemic, which it never was, it would be nigh on impossible to predict the course of events. But this is a fake crisis, built by propaganda and PSYOP specialists, with the help of a corrupt mainstream media. Once you understand how it's being organised, it isn't difficult to predict where it goes next. Back in July, for example, on Brand YouTube, I made a video entitled The Lockdowns, The Masks, The Rules Are Coming Back. This, I suspect, is one of the reasons why the enemy put so much effort into suppressing everything I do. The big story this week still concerns, concerns the giving of the toxic experimental jab to school children. The people behind this evil travesty will pay for their sins in a higher court than you or I have access to. But meanwhile, it's our job to try to share the truth with as many people as we can, particularly parents, grandparents, teachers and, of course, children themselves. Children, you say? Yes, well, governments have decided that 12-year-olds are old enough to decide for themselves whether or not to accept the experimental Covid jab, so they must be old enough to be given the truth as well as the lies. The UK Health Security Agency says that children who have had Covid should wait three months to be jabbed in order to reduce the risk of myocarditis. Scientists said it was crucial that they were honest with the public. Yes, they said that. So a child who has had Covid and is therefore almost certainly immune still has to be given a jab that won't stop them getting or spreading the disease that they won't get again. Following the science, eh? Remember, Whitty and other chief medical officers in the UK overruled the Joint Committee on Vaccines and Immunisation who said that the jabs aren't worth the risk. They warned that the risk of myocarditis was up to 17 per million with the first dose and 34 per million with the second dose. That was their figure. 
the UK Health Security Agency, now says that the risk is only nine cases per million. Gosh, what a surprise. And only. What they don't tell people is that some studies suggest that 20% of children with myocarditis are dead in two years and 50% are dead in five years. This is not a bit of redness on the arm. I wonder if Devi Shridhar has apologised yet. And we must add the other serious side effects on top. And we have to remember that most serious side effects never get registered. Probably only one in a hundred gets officially listed. You'll remember that last week I pointed out that the official figures from the UK government showed that there had been just six deaths of children with or of COVID during the alleged pandemic. Six. It's very sad, I know, but six. Compare that to the numbers who've had or will develop myocarditis and the number who have died are dying and will die. And the Expose website reports that the Office for National Statistics in the UK shows that deaths among female children increased by 57% against the five-year average since they were first offered the COVID-19 jab. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that the toxic, experimental COVID-19 jab is killing far more children than have died with or of COVID-19, the rebranded flu. Of course, the bad guys are doing everything they can to protect the reputation of the jabs, which they're desperately keen to give to all 5 to 11-year-olds. So there's a story that climate change causes heart defects, and it's the non-existent global warming that is causing people to drop down dead in schools and on sports fields. Suppressing the truth and promoting the lies is all part of the plan. Google, by the way, has belatedly been accused of putting the BBC and The Guardian at the top when searches are made. Those of us who are truth-tellers questioning the lies and deceits are left on page 73,654 or expunged completely or simply lied about. They are pushing to give the jab to all from birth upwards. Meanwhile, an article on the internet entitled COVID Vaccine What Parents Need to Know reports that side effects are usually temporary and generally clear up within 48 hours. There's no mention of myocarditis, of course. Maybe Devi Shridhar is advising them. They also say that the jab will help prevent children from getting COVID and help prevent or reduce the spread. So they clearly know something no one else in the world knows. To make things worse, lunatics who clearly cannot read are also forcing children to wear masks at school. In the UK, local public health directors have been given the power to tell children to wear masks, regardless of any national advice. Now, I don't wish to be rude about people who work in public health, but the highest rated individual ever to have worked in public health had an IQ of 17 and died years ago. So mask wearing will become de rigueur this winter. This enrages me because masks do real physical and psychological harm and at least one government figure has admitted that they're merely part of the training process. They increase the risk of pneumonia and cancer and they cause massive mental health problems. There's a relevant free book on both my websites. It's called Proof That Masks Do More Harm Than Good. It's been banned because it's full of scientific references and it's entirely free. So I'm clearly making a fortune out of it, as you can imagine. Please send copies to every school teacher, every school and every parent you can find. Just 
pick it up off vernoncoleman.com or vernoncoleman.org. What else is there? Well, the pressure for forced vaccination continues. Mandatory vaccination is nothing less than politically motivated and medically executed rape. Where jabs are mandatory, there is no justice and no law. The pressure to force us to accept vax passports is rising as governments try to make us prisoners in our own countries en route to the digital society dreamt of by the evil ones. And there's more evidence of the danger of the PCR procedures. A Luxembourg woman said to be leaking brain fluid after damage caused by the PCR test and a girl's been photographed with blood pouring from her eye after a test. When I made a video pointing out that people had been killed by the PCR test, I was viciously attacked. It was one, I think, one of the truths for which the RSA expelled me. Check out my old videos about PCR tests. Everything is now obviously true. The lunacy is now everywhere in healthcare. In the UK, the British Red Cross found that some people go to accident and emergency departments more than 100 times a year because they've nowhere else to go when they need medical advice. They also report that less than 1% of patients make up a sixth of all the demands on the A&E. Of course they do. Why are A&E units suddenly overwhelmed, asks the Daily Telegraph in a leader editorial. Why is there such an increase in non-Covid fatalities? Those are probably the most stupid questions I've seen all year. The answer to the first is that when there was a GP service, remember that? Patients contacted their GP as a first port of call. Now that there's no GP service, where else are people going to turn? Any GP of my era could tell you that a tiny proportion of patients were always responsible for most of the requests for calls or advice. The closure of the GP service is what's destroying hospitals. And of course, it's all deliberate. Media commentators seem mystified by the sudden lack of GPs. The explanation is very simple. The GMC's absurd new bureaucracy has pushed many experienced GPs into early retirement. All deliberate. And younger GPs, too many of them seem happy to earn big money working a 20 or 30 hour week. The jabs, by the way, have surely been a bonanza for doctors. Work it out for yourself. In the UK, the basic fee per jab is £12.80, but there are big extra fees for children and old people in care homes. They're pushing three jabs per person, and the average GP has around 2,000 patients under her care. So that's £12.80 times three, times 2,000, plus a lot of bonus patients, payments. I reckon the average GP will make between 50,000 and 100,000 out of the COVID jabs each year, on top of the 100,000 plus salary. No wonder the medical establishment doesn't want doctors' salaries revealed, and most doctors still refuse to see patients face to face unless they're jabbing them. These days, the only way to see a doctor is to fly to America, commit a crime that gets you onto death row, and then wait for the doctor to turn up to give you a lethal injection or check that you're fit for the electric chair. Alternatively, you can, I suppose, just hang around in a jab centre and hope you get a doctor to jab you instead of a cleaner passing through. The answer to the Telegraph's second question is also obvious. Many hospital departments have been shut or half shut because of the fake pandemic and waiting lists have soared to a point where millions now realise that there's no point in seeking medical help 
because the NHS is completely unfit for purpose. A horrifying total of 4,519 people, 4,519 people died after waiting more than 12 hours on trolleys in crowded A&E units last year, and that's the ones they counted. A woman in Falmouth in Cornwall who fell and hit her head apparently had to be taken to hospital by bus after a 999 operator said it could take three to four hours for an ambulance to arrive. I could understand if the woman was halfway up a mountain in the Himalayas, but she was in a town in England, clearly, unfortunately, on a bus route. There's a warning that a new Covid variant is spreading, which is less likely to cause any symptoms. There seems to be some surprise about this, but I can't imagine why. This is more or less always what happens with flu-type viruses. Variations become progressively less potent. Usually, no one bothers about the symptomless flu, or even knows they've got it. Why would you? Now, more than ever, people have to be tested to see if they're ill. And we have a national scare and threats of lockdowns and the need for more booster jabs to save Christmas because of a disease which might not cause any symptoms at all. It all sounds like something dreamt up by the Marx Brothers. In addition, of course, they're using a so-called test that doesn't work and never has to assess the state of affairs. Death rates are rising, but you and I know it isn't Covid that's killing people, it's the jabs and the fact that hospitals and doctors are no longer working properly. Doris Johnson, the UK's worst leader since King John, has changed the definition of fully vaccinated so that only those who've had all the recommended boosters will count for entry to discos and football matches. That'll help destroy the entertainment industry. Next step, you're only fully vaccinated when you've been killed by the jabs. Incidentally, if you've had two jabs but haven't had a booster jab, you are a officially classified as an anti-vaxxer. So that boosts the numbers on our side of the street. We'll be a majority soon. The climate change nonsense is progressing nicely. The authorities have given 200 sets of planning permission for homes to be built on floodplains. So 5,283 homes will be flooded next time it rains and the cultists will claim that this is evidence of global warming. Of course, the flooding will be man-made because if the idiots hadn't built the homes on floodplains, they wouldn't be flooded. These people have the moral and ethical qualities of gristle. Insulate Britain, as full of compassion as usual, say that when the roads are blocked with morons glued to the tarmac, it'll always be possible for people to find another route to a hospital. They should lock these people up for life. But instead, the media gives a few hundred psychopaths amazing coverage and completely ignores hundreds of thousands of honest, caring citizens marching against lies, deceit and totalitarianism. The role of the media in everything that's happened and is happening can't be underestimated, superficially at least. This is a media war. I'm afraid the loyalty of the mainstream media has always been fairly easy to buy. When I was a lad, I used to write funny little pieces for a magazine called Punch. You may remember it. In those days, cigarette companies used to give out coupons which could be redeemed for toasters and cigarette lighters and so on. And I wrote a piece suggesting that the companies were now offering all sorts of funerals to those who smoked enough fags and collected enough coupons. The top prize, I said, was a state funeral. One of the editors wrote back to say that although they loved the article, they didn't dare print it because they relied a good deal on their cigarette company advertising. 
and medical journals and magazines rely heavily, in many cases exclusively, on drug company advertising, and so never criticise the generous hand that feeds them so well. Back in the spring of 2020, governments deliberately destroyed economies everywhere so that companies weren't buying adverts. Governments filled the deliberately created void by buying huge amounts of advertising space to promote their lies about COVID-19 and paid full price for the ads. The papers, TV and radio stations became hooked on the advertising and are now whores for the government. One edition for, of the Daily Telegraph, for example, contained a double-page advert for government nonsense which included the bizarre claim that 130,000 lives had been protected by the NHS COVID-19 vaccination programme. How could they possibly say that? The wretched ASA should have targeted that. The jab doesn't stop you getting or spreading COVID. It would be just as accurate to claim that the NHS COVID jabbing campaign stopped two billion people in Manchester from developing chillblains, or that the jab will kill 4,749,832 people by March the 1st, 2020. Utterly meaningless. It's like one of those Sunday sport headlines, double-decker bus found on moon. I'd be more inclined to believe the Sunday sport headline. The same thing happens on YouTube, which carries endless promotional material for government lies, and I bet they don't do that for free. Sadly, too many journalists are gutless and don't have the courage to stand up to editors and proprietors whose mouths have been stuffed with gold. And so we no longer have a free press. Journalists have been bought and no longer servers or representers. The light paper is the only independent paper I know, and it's free. Pick up a co copy locally or check out the website. Talking of the media, I have not had a reply from Dr Hilary Jones to my challenge to a live TV debate, though I'm assured that the challenge should have reached the man himself, his agent and his manager. Or one of all three? I don't know. I do gather, however, that Dr Jones is a very busy man. I've seen him do advertisements for some sort of hearing aid, a stair lift and curtains. It's a pity I would have enjoyed giving him my tutorial on COVID-19 and COVID jabs. He allegedly, allegedly used to front an online pharmacy and may be linked with it for all I know. He's also a director of something called a nutraceutical company. No idea what that is. Still, in 2020, he was given an MBE for services to public health information. And he has a lovely Wikipedia site. It's a pity we can't have a debate. We could have had a public debate and a public vote afterwards and both put our reputations on the line. Maybe we could even make it more interesting with a chunky side bet for the winner of the debate. Never happen. Last week or the week before I promised to deal with the PSA test. It's been in the news because a former England cricketer recommends it as a way of picking up prostate cancer early. I don't presume to give batting or bowling advice to cricketers and I wouldn't take medical advice from them, I'm afraid. I've studied the PSA test for many years and I fear that prostate screening tests produce a mass of false positives and false negatives. Whenever a celebrity develops prostate cancer, he usually ends up promoting the prostate antigen test. But I'm not alone in believing the PSA test does more harm than good and should have been abandoned years ago. When I mentioned en passant that I was tired of all the abuse I was getting, oh, everyone gets rude comments, was the reply. Really? I think I'd probably get as much abuse as anyone alive. If I were a footballer, they'd need an entire police force 
to rush round arresting all the people who've written deeply offensive things about me. One keen believer in the exosome theory told me and the world that because I didn't share his belief it was my fault that my wife developed breast cancer. You can imagine how good that made me feel and how warm it made me feel towards exosomists. I'd vote for the return of capital punishment solely for use on that heartless, ignorant bastard. The exosomists are flogging an irrelevant distraction which is badly damaging our chances of winning this war. Indeed, I don't think the exosomists realise we're fighting for our lives and a soul, our souls. They and the 77th pour abuse in my direction. We're trying to wake up the majority of people. Telling them that viruses do not exist is not going to make them want to listen to us. Quite the opposite. Our job is to give the public solid facts about the exaggerated Covid deaths and the harm that these experimental jabs are doing. Not to wander down side avenues having academic debates. If I were pro-government and pro-drug company I'd be all over the mainstream media and the social media channels and have a daily spot on network, on network television and at least one column in a national newspaper and I'd be a hero, promoted everywhere and making a fortune. I'd have a Twitter account, a Facebook page and still have a popular LinkedIn page. There's a big price to pay for telling the truth. I'm banned from all mainstream media and social media and, as many have found, just mentioning my name can often lead to a ban. If I were a shill, I'd have a wonderful Wikipedia page instead of having one full of lies and nonsense and the government would be paying me a fortune to make ads flogging vaccines and the need to wear masks. Instead of all that joy and wealth, my career has been destroyed. Google libels me and buries my videos, books and websites somewhere deep and dark. I've been accused of not being a doctor at all or of having been struck off the medical register. Both are blatant lies. I've been expelled from the Royal Society of Arts for the audacious crime of telling the truth and allowing myself to be attacked in my absence by the BBC. No mainstream TV or radio station will have me on any programme, though they'll all attack me in my absence. In the past, I've written columns and articles for most national and regional newspapers in the UK, Sun, Daily Mirror, Daily Telegraph, People, Star, Daily Express, Daily Mail and the Sundays, such as the Sunday Times, and for most big magazines around the world, but none of their editors will dare even speak to me these days, although they will libel me in my absence and accuse me of spreading misinformation, though everything I've told you has been true. Several of my books are, no ba are now banned, though four of the banned books are available free on my websites. Some of my e-books have actually been deleted from people who've bought them. YouTube has deleted scores of my videos and banned me from making more, this war has cost me dearly, dearly in every conceivable way. Why on earth do I put myself through all this pain, you might ask? My professional life was ruined when I started making videos about Covid in March 2020. My reputation has been cold-bloodedly, systematically trashed by professionals. And the social media trolls spotting wounded prey have done what they do so mercilessly put the boot in and submerge me in a swamp of lies in their earnest desire to destroy the truth-tellers. Dan Sales of the Daily Mail said I wrongly claim to be a doctor and as, as far as I know hasn't yet published a correction. Censorship and abuse have maintained the fraud innumerable cowardly liars, mostly hiding behind silly names, have wrongly claimed that I've been struck off the medical register. 
They're fascist foot soldiers for the global elite. I wonder how many of these people have done anything positive. Most just hide behind silly names such as smelly feet from Scunthorpe or are we there yet? The liars claim that I'm making videos to make money before I pop my clogs, said one. He either doesn't know or doesn't care that my videos have never been monetized and have made me not one penny. On the contrary, they've cost me a good deal. There are many more abusers around, most with too little brain and too much time on their hands. There's one cowardly anonymous abuser who inexplicably but repeatedly calls me the old Jew in a chair and adds loads of anti-Semitic attacks and vile personal abuse, which would of course be illegal if I was Jewish, if I were Jewish. That's a new weird definition of irony. I wonder if he knows that a woman was sent to prison for three years this week for sending offensive messages online. I've even been attacked by people who thought I thought were on our side. And although there were usually loads of lovely comments, which are much appreciated, the comments section under my videos gets stuffed with more than my fair share of whinging, moaning nonsense, either from people who aren't satisfied, want more, and want me to tie their shoelaces for them, or just from abusive liars, often from the 77th, of course. And then there's Wikipedia, not content with lying about me and suddenly deciding that I was discredited and a conspiracy theorist and so on, editors, editors there wanted to remove other Wikipedia pages dealing with my Mrs. Caldicott novels and my Bilberry books, which have nothing to do with Covid or the real 21st century world. Google repeats the Wikipedia lies and spreads them wider. Incidentally, I've had a Wikipedia editor write to me and offer to improve my page and remove the lies if I give him money. Thank you, incidentally, to the reader who said he wouldn't give any more money to Wikipedia when they next held out the begging bowl. They can, after all, always ask the CIA or Google for a couple of billion. The answer to the question, why the devil do I put myself through this pain for absolutely no reward, is that I do it for my Aunt Alice. Why my Aunt Alice, you might ask? Well, she's no longer with us, but when I was much younger, still in my teens, she got into a notable fiffle-faffle with the local gas company. They were being rotten to her. She was a lovely, simple soul, and she was terrified by their bureaucratic threats. And so I got stuck in and got them off her back. Later, when I was 18, I worked as a community service volunteer in Liverpool for a year before going to medical school, and that was an eye-opener. So I'm afraid I've always got into trouble for fighting for the oppressed, whether they're animals in cages, or the elderly, or whatever. Many of my novels have been about people who were oppressed and stood up for themselves. If you haven't seen the film of Mrs Caldicott's Cabbage War, try to catch it next time it's on TV. Lots of eminent authors have used many fine words to explain how we all have a responsibility to stand up and to be counted when we see bad things being done. Just read Civil Disobedience by Henry David Thoreau if you want a primer. But I just think of my Aunt Alice. She didn't have much of an education and she was easily frightened by men and women in suits. She would have been terrified and bewildered by what's gone on for the last two years. I'm not naturally perverse, but I am definitely strangely driven to do my best to defend and protect the weak who can't look after themselves. It annoyed me beyond telling to see thousands of elderly people deliberately murdered in care homes in the spring of 2020, 
As I said then, it was homegrown genocide, and I despair at the way children are being maltreated. So I do my best to stand up to the bastards behind these lies and deceits about COVID-19. And so, it is my because it's my responsibility to do so, whatever the damned cost. I don't enjoy it. I actually, actually hate making videos, but I persevere. I gave up making TV programmes decades ago because it's not what I do. It's not what I want to do. But these are strange times. Thank you for watching An Old Man in a Chair. And thanks to Brand YouTube and to Mohammed Butt. Please subscribe to my channel on Brand YouTube and spread my videos about on other platforms such as Brighton, Rumble, Odyssey, Bitshoot, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn. My thanks to everyone who does this. Please do translations too. All the papers and so on that I refer to in videos can easily be found on the internet. If we were given a longer week, we'd put all the links in the videos. My plan was for Vernon Coleman's Wednesday Review to appear here every Wednesday at 7pm. Sadly, however, it doesn't seem to be what people really want. The review takes several days to put together and viewing figures fell for the se in the second week. The problem, perhaps, is that people don't think it's dramatic enough to be worth sharing. Maybe some think that the videos are too long. After this one, I'll try making them shorter and we'll see how we go. If this format isn't popular, I'll just go back to single-topic, shorter videos, but we'll stick to the same time, Wednesdays at 7pm, so we all know where we are. At the moment, I'm still studying all the available evidence about the medium and long-term effects of the Covid jabs. I've been making videos about the short-term dangers of the jabs for a year now, but what'll happen in a year or so? And I'm still researching the facts about nuclear power, not easy, not easy because of all the fake facts produced by the nutty greens who want us all to live in mud huts eating grass while they fly around having conferences. For the record, this channel has not been monetized. None of my videos ever has been. There are no ads, no sponsors and no requests for funds on videos or websites. Don't forget to watch my friend Dr Colin Barron's amazing videos which are always pertinent and always entertaining and visit his website www.colinbarron.co.uk Read the light paper for all the news considered too truthful to print by the mainstream media. Visit awakenpages.co.uk, standinthepark.org, expose.uk and theearthnewspaper.com Please visit my own websites vernoncoleman.org and vernoncoleman.com VernonColeman.com is more old-fashioned but contains hundreds of articles on animal issues, politics and much else in addition to health. You can find free books on both sites and brand new stuff's added every weekday. There are hundreds of original articles to read about Covid and other subjects. Finally, though it may feel like it at times, please remember you're not alone. More and more people are waking up and once they're awake they don't go back to sleep, which means that our numbers are growing daily. If we're going to win this war then we have to fight hard and with passion, determination and with the truth. Distrust the government, avoid mass media and fight the lies. And thank you for watching An Old Man in a Chair.